Like we are live. We are live. Good afternoon, everyone. And welcome to Lunchtime Conversations. I am Donald Johnson. And I, as I put in my post, I am super honored and I'm glad to be hosting this talk on today. Before we actually dive in, I'm going to encourage each and every one of you to take a quick moment because I know other people are signing in. So take a moment as we do the same. Um, we're going to take a moment and we're going to share this stream. So I'm asking you to push that share button uh, and share it with your friends. You can even start a watch party. And so we're going to take a quick moment and just, again, just for everyone to share the stream. And then we're going to dive in with our introductions and then get into the uh, conversation for today. So again, welcome to Life Church Auburn Hills Lunchtime Conversations. Take a brief moment and let's share the stream. <coughs> so we're going to share it. Pulling up my phone right now, and we are sharing. And done. <coughs> All right, so hopefully again, you have uh, had an opportunity to share the stream. Uh, good morning, I'm Don Earl Johnson. I serve as a lead pastor for Life Church Auburn Hills. And again, we're grateful that you are here with us. Um, today we have some amazing um, brothers and sisters. I don't wanna just say panelists. We have some amazing uh, brother and sister who will be um, participating in today's stream. And these lunchtime conversations are very vital for us we at Life Church Auburn Hills, <clears throat> the mission that God has put us on is to develop what we call 3C friendships. And 3C friendships are, the 3Cs are being committed. Um, at, as far as friends, and we talk about love, love is about commitment, it's not about emotions, because sometimes the emotions is not there, but you have to remain committed. So we talk about being committed talking about being cross-cultural because that is vital for what God is want, desiring to do, his promise to Abraham. And then we, again, we see that uh, promise fulfill Revelation 7 and 9. And so cross-cultural element is vital. And then to remain Christ-centered in all that we do, we want to keep Christ at the center of what we do, the center of what we say. And we believe those types of relationships is what God is using to advance his kingdom um, on earth. And again, this is his desire. This is his work. This is his will. And we want to be a part of joining God as the Holy Spirit is leading us into these relationships. So as I often do when we have these discussions, I want to just kind of give a framework of why we are doing this as far as for the audience. Um, and with that, I'll, I'll say this disclaimer. I'm encouraging you all um, to whatever your political views are to remove that partisan lens and let's put a kingdom filter on because that's the hope this is what we pray we pray before we uh, engage in these conversations before we invite guests because what we want to do is make sure that we are elevating the kingdom above any political party or political ideology that's not what we're here for. Um, now, some of the things we talk about 
will have political implications, but our heart, our goal here is to elevate the kingdom. And uh, my prayer is that we um, as a community will not get sucked in um, and not miss a moment that God is calling the church to, to live in. And so with that said, I want to introduce our brothers and sisters, our panelists today. And first, uh, I will introduce Lenore Three Stars. Lenore was born in Pine Ridge Reservation, on the Pine Ridge Re Reservation in South Dakota. She received her bachelor's from Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado. Upon retiring from a federal civil rights career in Seattle, she moved to Spoken to be an active auntie. Now, did I get that right? Auntie, grandmother? Uh, to her two <coughs> Tacojas, which are grandkids. She earned her master's degree um, through the North American Institute of Indigenous Theological Studies from Portland Seminary of George Fox University in Oregon. Lenore serves as a facilitator for the annual Journey to Mosaic, a faith-based racial reconciliation experience in the Pacific Northwest. She speaks, writes, and serves with nonprofits related to her interests in the local community and native culture and creation care. So if you would, everyone, let's welcome Lenore. Welcome, <laughs> Lenore. <laughs> and um, it's funny because I'm, I've been, me personally, of getting uh, a lesson and being schooled on some of the uh, names um, that I'm not aware of, but I am a learner and I'm enjoying this mm -hmm. process. In that process, I'm gonna ask you to give me grace. Um, we talk about in our church, space and grace. Um, because we will make mistakes as we journey, and uh, we want to have space and grace in order to um, grow together. So, Lenore, welcome. Thank you for being a part here. Thank you. Absolutely. And next, we'll um, introduce T.J. Smith, is of the Lakota Nation. He lives in Anchorage, Alaska, and serves as the pastor of New Song Covenant Church. He was ordained in 2014 and is currently honored to be a part of the Mosaic Commission of the Evangelical Covenant Church as the Indigenous Minister Association President. So we will welcome TJ Smith. Thank you for being here, TJ. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir, absolutely. And let's see, Anna Ross is a member of Turtle Mountain Band of Ojibwe. She is a community leader with experience in community development, asset building, impact strategy development and implementation. She holds a master's degree in Indigenous Nation Studies from the University of Kansas and a bachelor's degree in American Indian Studies from Haskell Indian Nation University. A year ago, Anna returned to Turtle Mountain Reservation where she grew up to support her husband, Roger, in starting the first, the very first covenant church on an American Indian reservation. That church plan is called Epiphany Church Turtle Mountain. So we welcome you, Anna. you did i oh. miss you sorry thank you oh <laughs> <laughs> all right cool and last but definitely not least we have trisha ivanoff and she's a new inupiac and yupik currently she is pursuing a master of divinity and a master of business administration from north park theological seminary and she is passionate about work toward the healing of native peoples in her region and 
in her region and is continual learner. She's a continual learner of her people's traditions, traditional ways and their language. So Tricia, welcome, we welcome you. All right, so I, I didn't hear you, Tricia, did you say that? Kuyana, thank you. Oh, <laughs> all right, I just wanna make sure. All right, cool. All right, so again, we welcome our uh, panelists today. We, we, I mean, these are some amazing brothers and sisters. And now uh, you've heard more of um, from a professional side. And so what I want you to do as, as our guests, our panelists, our brothers and sisters, is to share who you are a bit personally. Feel free to use any of your traditional greetings, um, talk about your family, spouse, the years you've been married, some work that you're doing, and if you would share some interesting fact about yourself so we uh, can really get to know you from a personal perspective, and then we'll dive in. So, um, and uh, we'll, we'll start with you, Lenore. Okay, we uh, My name is Lenore Three Stars, and um, as Daryl mentioned, I'm Oglala Lakota, born on the Pine Ridge Reservation, where my dad was born. My mother, um, Frida, is Minikoju Lakota, which is another one of the seven bands of Lakota. And she's from the Cheyenne River Reservation in South Dakota. Um, I had a 32-year career in civil rights in Seattle for the federal government. And um, then I moved out to Spokane so that I could help with my Takojas, my grandkids. <laughs> so that's, I'm really enjoying that along with, um, I finished up my master's after I moved out here. And I'm just um, enjoying, actually I'm the kind of person that doesn't mind all the downtime that we're getting. So, <laughs> so I don't feel deprived. Um, last year I went out and I got my mom from her home reservation in Cheyenne River to come live with me in Spokane which I'm glad I did because now her res is closed down and I wouldn't mm. be able to get her. Wow. So, yeah, so um, we're enjoying the grandkids and um, I seem to keep busy even though I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, all right, thank you so much. Now you shared with me earlier about protocol for acknowledging the land. And so we're yeah. here in Auburn Hills and can you please acknowledge uh, the land that we, that, that I, Stand up. Um, yeah, that that's another um, point of, of education is it's a protocol that's observed by indigenous people all around the world. And so where you're from in Auburn Hills, um, you would acknowledge that you're a guest in the lands of the Anishinaabe, the Sauk and the Potawatomi peoples. Wow. And the, the reason that we honor the land and the people there is because um, they're still there. Mm. They're still there, history and politics and Disney would erase them, but the land remembers them. The land is a witness that mm. the people were there for millennia. So uh, we would take the time to honor their relationship to the land and the water there. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I without, um, digressing too much, you know, I've studied trauma and they talk about how the body keeps the score, like the body still knows. And when you mentioned that, the, that, that there's still, the land remembers them. I, I thought about, I'm like, man, the land keeps score. It, it understands, it remembers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. 
we'll move on. Thank you for sharing that. And sure. again, welcome. All right, uh, TJ, tell us who you are. I'm Matakia Oyasi, TJ Smith and Manchiapi, um, Malakota. Hi, my relatives. My name is TJ Smith and I am Lakota. And I serve at New Song Covenant in Anchorage, Alaska, and I've been there a long time. And before that, I worked with high school kids and worked uh, a lot of cross-cultural. The high school that I spent uh, 12 years here in Anchorage is uh, was 1,800 kids, 37 languages were spoken, and it was 67% minority. Oh, wow. And so that is... Um, uh, that's part of how I'm created. The creator made me to be uh, able to bridge because of who he made me to be. So um, I have uh, a wife and a daughter and son-in-law and they live in Carson City, Nevada. And then my son just graduated a year ago from our university up here and is working at Special Olympics and um, looking to see kind of where the journey he has him to go if it's to be with Special Olympics or to be in a classroom teaching also. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, TJ. All right, Anna. Anine, I'm so sorry that I was a little late this morning. Um, I was like, I have time. I have about an hour to go. <laughs> huh. I'm um, coming to you from the Turtle Mountain Indian Reservation in North Dakota. Um, I'm actually uh, my biological father is Filipino, and my biological mother is Ojibwe from this land. Um, my grandparents raised me uh, from when I was like seven months old, uh, and we I grew up here on this, the, the Indian Reservation, uh, graduated high school, and even went to the community college. I got my associate's degree here at our community college, um, and then moved off to Kansas. Um, I have, my husband and I have four beautiful children. Oh, you can see them in the background. <laughs> um, and they range in four, age four is our youngest and our oldest just turned 21. Um, wow. So we're happy to be back here on the reservation. And we're actually uh, now taking care of my grandparents, the ones who raised me. Um, they are 78 and 85. Um, so we've kind of, I've, I've really come full circle um, in my life right now. So happy to be with you all. All right. Thank you so much. And, you know, how, the church plant, I know you guys were in the process prior to COVID. Yeah. Are you still working toward doing things virtually? How is that going? Well, we, we had started um, trying to build our launch team. Mm -hmm. um, and we were kind of reaching out to people who had expressed interest and we were meeting with them. Um, a lot of family members, but I think, um, within the native community specifically, everybody is family members, you know, you're, everybody's your cousin. Right. <laughs> so um, we've been, we've been kind of reaching out to people and we started having uh, smaller meetings or gatherings. Okay. And then when the COVID kind of hit, um, we kind of put a stop to that because we have to be really diligent. Both of my grandparents who we take care of um, have pre-existing health conditions. Gotcha. So um, we stopped doing that for a little bit. And we, then we just started having in-home Bible study and then as, um, as time went on, we started adding, you know, this cousin and their family and this cousin and their family. And so um, we, have, we, we have about 15 to 20 people now just kind of meeting and we've kind of limited it to that. I mean, that's pretty large right now in this um, time and circumstances, but um, they're all family. We, we are exposed to each other 
in other areas. So we felt like it was safe uh, right now. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're still, my husband is, is still in training. Um, and so we're kind of still doing some of that structural side of uh, setting up the church as well. So cool. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Life Church Auburn Hills is a church plant. We celebrated our one year anniversary virtually. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Tricia. Good morning. Um, Apaka Paul Luliz Suli Al Lu Mabel Angayukak Alan Lu Jobina Uvalotuk means good morning. My name is Okilak. Okilak is my Inupak name. I go by um, Trisha. So Okilak, it means I was told it means fast runner. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of fun. Um, I am of Ungalaklik or Unalaklit, if you want to find it on the map. Uh, my grandparents were Paul and Liz um, Ivanov and Al and Mabel Oyumik. And my parents are Alan and Jobina Ivanov. Um, so currently I am in Unicle. I'm in my office. Um, Unicle, you could kind of see it back there. Um, there's a little glare, but that's where I'm from. It's a, a small fishing village. I was born in Anchorage, but I grew up here my whole life. Um, I went to a boarding school in Sitka throughout for my entire high school career. Um, and then I went to play volleyball at a community college in Oregon before I transferred to North Park University where I graduated with my master's in biology. And um, just a couple years ago, I decided to go to seminary at uh, North Park Theological Seminary. And last year, for some reason, I decided to add an MBA also. So now I'm a dual degree student, which adds a couple more years. So I have a couple more years left in the program. Um, yeah, so I am working with my tribe this summer, um, the native village of Unoclete. So that has been, you know, a really good experience because I have been able to witness the way that the leadership in the tribe is responding to COVID and, you know, I've been a part of it as well. You know, I'm going to help them uh, with their reopening plan. Okay. And, you know, we have done a few things in, for the community, like providing cleaning supplies uh, for Alaska Native and American Indian families. And yeah, so that has been my summer, hopefully at the end of my um, internship, I'll be able to do some commercial fishing. So that's an interesting fact about myself is I'm cool. a commercial fisherwoman. Okay. So my dad taught me and, you know, I have been fishing for the last couple of years with my dad and my brothers. So that has been a fun experience. And I also really love to fish rod and reel. That's actually one of my favorite summer activities. So yeah, just a little bit about me. Um, glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. All right, we're going to uh, dive in. Thank you, Trisha, uh, for sharing. And let's 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 dive in again. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, we're here with our indigenous brothers and sisters, and we're going to be talking about COVID and also um, systemic racism uh, from the perspective of again the our indigenous brothers and sisters. And so let me set the record straight with this question um what are your personal feelings about the term the word the label if you will 
Indian. Um, if I can get just one or maybe one or two people to share, and I, I know it's kind of different. And when I look at it, I look at, you know, at one time personally for African-Americans, we were Negro, we were black, we were African-Americans and we had these various labels. What for you, for you, for you, what, what are your personal feelings about the term Indian? And anybody could. Okay, well, because um, <laughs> because all these people here were raised properly, <laughs> they're going <laughs> to defer to me to um, to answer first. But um, elders also respect the the young because they're the next leaders, and so I would like for you guys to just chime in whenever you want to. Um, but I will just say that from my generation, we don't have bad feelings about using the word Indian because that's what I grew up with. I mean, you know, my dad talked to Indian, we ate Indian soup. I mean, it was, <laughs> it, we used it in a way that doesn't make me feel bad about it. Okay. Um, but I, I use Native American, American Indian. I use them all interchangeably because none of them are accurate. The only thing that's accurate is what you call yourself in your own language. So Malakota, oh, I'm Oglala Lakota, which means scatter oneself. Mm. Um, and my mom, my mom is uh, Minikoju Lakota, which means plant by the water. So that's what would, would be accurate. That's powerful. So it's not necessary. Like you said, all of them are pretty much inaccurate is what you call yourself. <laughs> that's, that's powerful. <laughs> so thank you. And the reason I pose that question is, is, is so we can make sure we're not being offensive um and and in that way um, because we understand that it, it's kind of was a misnomer because you know columbus thought he was in india and it's like boom okay these are indians and so wanted to <laughs> talk about that piece there's a phrase in lakota um and again grace here me me talk Oyasi. Did I? Mitakuye Oyasi. Can you unpack that? And 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 again, the protocol is to always defer to the elder. Uh, and um, Lenora has defaulted and and referred to anyone else being able to answer that. Uh, Roger, would you? Not Roger. TJ. <laughs> TJ, would you? Um, um, to unpack that for us. What what does that really what does that mean? Because I think it's a powerful powerful statement. I should defer to Lenore because she's teaching me this more. But uh, I will try, and then Lenore, please correct me for those mistakes I make. Um, we believe culturally that we're all related, and we can go to scripture, and you can see that we talk about our ancestors, and so. Um, yesterday is my prayer day. It's a day I literally block out Tuesday. I don't do anything, um, but spend time in prayer. And so for me in the summer, I'm like, Trish, I love to go to the river. That's the best cathedral in the world. And we hear the Wombly's eagles sing. And so when an eagle is there, that's a reminder of the ancestors. And so again, that relationship, it, it goes deeper than just humans. So the fish that the creator gave me yesterday, was literally thanking the fish for 
given its life. So I can feed, I literally, we put fish in six families freezers. Um, again, that's our cultural piece. We take care of our elders as Anna is doing. Different nation, but same roots. And that's kind of that whole concept of, of the idea is that we're all related. We're all, we all come out of Adam and Eve. We all come out of our creation story. Yeah. And so we live that out in very much um, who we are and how we see things. Um, with the racism issues to step in for uh, a native Alaskan brother that I saw a couple of weeks ago getting picked on by uh, a white guy um, and vice versa too. So again, it's everything is interrelated and we give thanks to the creator for all those things. So I'll let Lenore clean up my mess. <laughs> no, that's, that's good. Mitako yeyoyasu means my relatives, everyone, uh, we're all related. And, and that doesn't mean just humans. That means the entire community of creation. Those are our relatives, even the elements of weather and the stars. So um, it is a reflection, I think, of John 3.16 for God to love the cosmos, yes. not, just, not just human. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and, I, and it, I just wanted to add one thing um, in our community. It's um, in Danaway Manadug, which means the same thing. Um, they're all related, um, all my relations. So it is um, a shared uh, concept amongst many tribes, just called something different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, that's amazing and beautiful as well, because like you mentioned, it, this is a biblical <laughs> principle, an idea um, for me. And, and just for the sake of time, you can write it down and look it up. But Acts 17, 26 and 28, um, which Paul is talking from one man, he made all nations. And it says that they inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times, their histories and the boundaries of their land. And he would just talk, I mean, just dives in there and talk about that. And we know that everything that God created is in relation to, um, to each other. We're all connected. And mm -hmm. um, anyway, let's, 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 let's dive in a little further here. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So uh, COVID-19, how have you guys seen this impact your, your communities, um, either personally or people that you have served. Let's let's go there and let's talk about that. And um, I can speak a little bit to our community. Um, in our community, typically our unemployment rate is about seventy percent, and this is before COVID. Um, so thinking about businesses and organizations um, and employers closing down how much that um, adds to the unemployment rate. Also, we know that health disparities um, within native communities and within native people. Um, and so that again, adds an, in, um, an increase to the, um, how dangerous it is for us. And then housing on top of that, right? There's such a lack of housing within our communities. Our reservation uh, where I live right now is six miles by 12 miles. Um, and it's highly populated. Um, and so we have multiple families living within a single family home. Um, and so how do you, how do you um, 
do social distancing when you have 10 people in your house already. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the reality that we live in um, right now. And then on top of like we have, you know, when I when I say that we have family that comes over, you know, for Bible study, um, when they're not able to acknowledge the elders in the room with a hug or a handshake, uh, mm -hmm. that's really difficult for our elders to understand mm -hmm. and to um, they feel disrespected by that. Even though we try to explain the whole uh, social distancing and the health uh, response, but there's just something that deeper there that um, kind of that they're not sure how to sort of respond and, and to deal with that. So that's kind of the reality right now within our community, uh, what's going on. Anyone else? I'll share a little bit about our community. Ours is, our community, um, our response has been interesting. You know, I'm, we're in a very remote location. Mm -hmm. And so the only way in, at least, you know, commercially is by plane. Mm -hmm. And so when everything was happening, you know, back in, um, in March, they had enacted a travel ban pretty much right away. And really they were letting college students because everything was transitioning online, they were letting college students come back in. And right after like the last mm. group of college students came in, they were like, all right, only essential travelers can travel if you're medical. And that's that's the hard part too, you know, when they were um, thinking about this, you know, travel ban and, and putting it into effect, you know, because we're in a, a remote location, you know, if we have, if we start to get cases here and, our health facility, I mean, we only have really one clinic. It's a sub-regional clinic. It's supposed to um, kind of serve our little hub community. And then you have the bigger kind of hospitals in Nome uh, is one of them, which is um, over a hundred miles away from here. So you have to be medevaced out by plane to there. And then if it's more serious, you have to get medevaced out to Anchorage, which is about an hour and between an hour and 20 to an hour and 40 minute plane ride. And so we have not had a single case yet, oh. but, you know, and, and this is kind of, this brings us back to, uh, I mean, there is in our, in our history, um, you know, in the Shishmaraf area, which is not too far from here, uh, when the sickness had hit back in um, the early 1900s, they had, posted a couple people outside of the village and said nobody can cross here mm. and so no one from that village died whereas here you know I'm a survivor uh, my family is a survivor of that sickness because so many people had died and after that you know so many kids were left orphaned and they were put in children's home or they were sent to boarding schools and so um, you know there's also I believe one of the, the missionaries here wrote in his journal that, you know, um, when all of this was happening, um, festivities stopped, people quarantined, they self-isolated. And so we have that history, but the thing that I find interesting now, our response, you know, you could kind of see the ways that we have shifted away from, um, shifted away from thinking about the community and it has become a little bit more individualistic so you have a lot of different responses where people are like you know we're we're too restrictive um in our travel ban or um who we let in or we're too loose we're too lax 
And so you kind of have these two different responses and you could kind of see how, you know, it's um, how it can fall into partisan um, issues too. So our response has been, I mean, I think for them to have enacted the travel ban, thankfully they let college students or graduate students come back in. So that's why I could be here this summer. But, you know, in that, if you come in, you have to do a quarantine um, and you have to abide by that or you'll get a fine. Um, they hadn't really been enforcing that, but now they have people enforcing that. And they most recently changed it to where if you travel in within 72 hours, you get a test, you come in, it's negative. Um, you could get tested seven days later, a rapid test, and that's negative, you're lifted off a of quarantine. And so that's kind of how we've been managing um, everything. But the, the response is interesting um, because we have not been close to, um, you know, really the city and, and, um, and seeing people in mass, you know, hardly anyone here wears masks unless they work in the healthcare um, facility. And so, you know, as soon as we get our first case, everything's going to change. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Let's, let's dive even uh, deeper. Um, When you look at American history and um, the, the history books have been sanitized (laughs) as we know, uh, which when I look at the scripture and I I look at the, the writings of um, the, the Hebrew people, the children of Israel, the record is not sanitized. All the, all the mess ups, all the bad stuff, the terrible stuff is, is there, which to me, it, it speaks to the credibility of, of, of this, the, the, the Bible, the book. Um, when we look at American history, it is somewhat sanitized. Well, not somewhat, it's sanitized. Now, when we talk about like experiencing injustice or racism, um, there's no question that the indigenous people have suffered uh, tremendously. And so can you talk about, I guess, even the, the idea of reservations? Um, this, 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 y- you all were here. <laughs> the doctrine of discovery, um, boarding schools, the various treaties. Can we dive into um, that aspect and how has that, I guess, have affected you personally and, and, and generationally. Uh, Can we just dive into that? Let's talk about that. So I guess I'm the only one that's unmuted. So (laughs) I thought we all were going to be unmuted and just kind of chatting. But, you know, I will say um, I moved, we moved back here from Minneapolis, uh, where I was the director of Indian education for Minneapolis public schools. Um, And Think one of the things that that irked me, and it, and it happens all the time, um, but it specifically happens a lot of time in uh, education systems, is that native uh, communities are um, or native students or whatever you will say um, tend to be what they call statistically insignificant. Mm. There's such a small number that when there's conversations happening, we're not even brought up in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, what people don't realize is you know in the 15th century there was like 18 million indigenous people um and then four centuries later we're down to 200,000 after so many um genocides and massacres and um you know even sicknesses and so um 
but despite all of that i think what happens is even if the education system does talk about us and our history we're in that bubble of history right yeah. so we're this historical group that existed um whenever columbus came to america uh but surprise we're still here yeah um and so i think that that's something that we are continuously fighting for people to remember we want to be at the table we want to be part of the conversation we are still here because we've survived all of that we're a very resilient people yeah and so i think that's really important for people to remember yeah one of my um indigenous brothers he mentioned he said the first thing i'm trying to get people to realize is that we still exist yeah <laughs> and it was like wow that's so true because, as you mentioned uh, many times it's it's like a history and it's like mm -hmm. no you're, you're present and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to make sure we gave space um to have you all here to have this conversation uh, any anything else want anybody want to add to that i think doctor discovery is something really important and one of the great things for our denomination is hopefully we can come together and gather, but we're actually voting for repudiation of Doctrine and Discovery, thanks to Lenore and a number of others um, hard work in that area. And basically Doctrine and Discovery was 1492, a papal bull said, if you find a land that isn't Christian, go get it, make it Christian, do whatever you need to do in a simplified form, right? So we'll go to Lewis and Clark, basically get to the mouth of the Columbia, plant the flag in the Columbia River and every river and tributary after that is, is ours, period. And so fast forward, because people think that it doesn't, that's it, like with us, that's ancient history. Mm -hmm. It's past history, but it's not. Mm -hmm. uh, Standing Rock is a great thing with a, with a pipeline there in Hawaii, um, trying to put up a 15th, um, satellite or a telescope on sacred ground for the Hawaiians in Monacoa. Um, it's happened. I was watching a thing on science thing um, on TV last night, and it's about, I had to write this down, the Manduruku in Brazil that are going through the same thing that all of our people went through. The government's like, hey, we need a hydro plant. So let's build a hydro plant and wipe out their sacred grounds. Um, so whatever sacred to you, think about the government coming in and saying, we're going to build a dam and flood it out. It doesn't matter. Um, these are things that are still currently happening, right. even boarding schools. Oh, that was an ancient past, right? So um, someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was 1885. I can't remember the colonel's name, but said, kill the Indian to save the man. Yeah. And so put in boarding schools. Well, that's ancient history. Um, but I have a friend who's in her mid-60s that in the 1950s was yanked out of her village. She's native Alaskan, yanked out of her Yupik village, thrown to a boarding school in Wrangell, um, told not to use her language, not to wear her clothes, cut her hair. And her anger is still massively hurt. Um, it literally took me three years of working with her to get her to smile, um, to be able to walk with her. She has a four-year degree, but she can't work because of that trauma of being yanked out, put on a plane, never been on a plane before, sent to a different culture, community, everything, and told me you're wrong. And that all comes out of Doctrine and Discovery, basically. And I would add to TJ to the, um, you know, about the boarding schools. Um, it, what people don't understand is a lot of the things that happened. Um, my grandparents were both 
uh, in boarding schools and a lot of tribes um, when you they, they'll cut their hair in signs of mourning or loss within a community right and so you gotta you gotta picture this right they're taken away from their family um, these young children um, and they're taken away to boarding schools and people are talking to them but they don't understand what they're saying because they speak their traditional language they have no idea what they're saying they don't know where their parents are where their grandparents are um, and then they cut their hair right and so they're in, in their mind these little kids could be thinking my family's gone my parents are gone they're they're dead um, they cut their hair they're they're um, punished uh, for speaking their language I asked my grandparents uh, my my grand my grandfather asked him why he doesn't speak Ojibwe and he says oh no I don't speak Indian mm-hmm. like it was like it was the worst thing in the world it was a very shameful thing I don't speak Indian you know and so the we're just now seeing a resurgence of our own language that was taken from us. And it's like, it's, it's not a historical thing. Like TJ said, it's like, it's continually, continuously happening. Even the unemployment rate, if you take people from their communities and you take them to this space, like Haskell Indian Nations University used to be one of the first boarding schools. That's where I got my degree, but it was one of the first boarding schools. And there's an actual cemetery on the campus uh, from children who lost their lives in boarding schools. Um, but you take them all the way to Kansas, right? And then you teach them how to type or how to do carpentry or whatever. And then eventually they get back to their reservation that has no need for either of those things. Mm-hmm. Then what do they do? They didn't. They lost the years that they were supposed to receive this training from their family. Their family teaches them their place in the community, what their role is, how do they contribute? But that's all gone because they were in this boarding school. And so now we have unemployment rate. We have you know all of these negative things. So it's not historical. We're continuing to see it. And the last thing that I want to say, TJ, because you kind of sparked uh, something was, you know, Fourth of July, or, you know, July 3rd and 4th, there's a protest at Mount Rushmore. The the um, Lakota people, they Mount Rushmore is in the lands, the the badlands, which were not taken. Well, I mean, there's a lot of land that was not taken properly, right? Um, but it, they're supposed to be compensated over a billion dollars for that land, which they refuse to accept. So that means that that land is still theirs. And in, within that land, to make things uh, more fun, they put the pictures of these four uh, presidents. And so they're protesting that now. So that's not something that's historical or that's in the history books. That's ha- that just happened. Uh, right three, four days ago or whatever. I don't know what day it is today. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just had to say all that. <laughs> no, and that's I mean, good. to your point, as far as how you value the land, uh, as you said, it's, that's not history. That's, um, TJ was sharing with me that th- that's sacred ground. That is sacred ground. Mm-hmm. So it's not left, right, or whatever. That's sacred ground for indigenous people that was not, was taken. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and um, man, and so that's, thank you. I, I even think, I mean, Lenore, did you want to add to that piece? Because we're gonna, I'm gonna transition to um, how you all reconcile because all of you are born again Christians, which is amazing. <laughs> and we're gonna transition to that. But before we, before we transition there, um, as we prepare and close, I wanted to make sure Lenore, if you had anything you wanted to add to the historical piece. Well, I do a, a workshop with Curtis and Jim Sakira, Curtis uh, Ivanoff and Jim Sakira on the doctrine of discovery. And 
one thing that we like to point out is that um, in the 15th century, when the papal bulls were issued, uh, there was a misconception that the land was empty, that uh, Turtle Island was empty. But if you look at um, scholarly work like Denovan's book, he estimates it could go up to 112 million population in the United States of just diverse native populations, uh, tribes and nations. So it wasn't empty. So all those people had to be displaced in order to, um, they rolled over the doctrine principle into manifest destiny in this country. Mm -hmm. And then the Supreme Court codified it with uh, um, Johnson versus McIntosh, which um, found that natives don't have the right to title of any property. They only have the right to occupancy. And so we're still fighting that everybody accepted that. I mean, that's white supremacy to accept that native people don't have the right to their own land. And once everybody accepts that, then it just keeps on rolling over you. And that's what's happening today. Um, the Lakota people on my mom's reservation, Cheyenne River, they're in Pine Ridge where I was born, they're trying to monitor how the COVID is crossing the borders, you know, so they can do tracing and so they can put some restrictions in place. And the state is fighting against that with the support of the, the administration. So it doesn't go away. Right. It, <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah, gift so, that gets given. <laughs> yeah, no, it, this is not history. This is happening. <laughs> this is happening now. It was, again, I, I, I learned about ICWA, which is the Indian Child Welfare Act, um, because when I was working in child welfare, because again, what was happening, they were killing children to save them out of their homes, disrupting them out of their communities mm -hmm. to quote unquote, civilize them and taking them completely away. The government realized this was 1978, 1970. I was born in 73 for just mm -hmm. reference. <laughs> this is 78 with federal law. Basically they, they, they switched and said, we can't keep doing this. We cannot keep doing this because we're displacing children. We're taking them away from their culture. We're taking them away from um, their community, their family, and they have no identity. Again, I was 78. And so this is, this is stuff that is real, that, that, that's happening right now. So here's the deal. Like for me, as we transition and prepare to the engage and response, in the Black community, I have friends and relatives who would rebuke me and point fingers at me and say, how are you um, in that white man's religion or the religion of your oppressors? How, for you, I'm going to ask you, how do you respond to that critique? Because all of you are, 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 are Christ followers. You are born again, purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And how do you respond to that critic uh, or critique of, of now that you're following the religion of your oppressors or, or quote unquote again and we know it's not by far a white man's religion but that's how some people believe they think so how do you respond to that critique so i'll, I'll just share um when i was uh, in college and learning um, studying American Indian studies, studying indigenous nation studies. I was learning all thing, all kinds of things about my people that I was not taught in school. 
Um, and as I, as I continued to learn, I learned more and more about the horrific things that people did in the name of the God that I loved and served. That was a very hard time for me. Um, I quit going to church, to be completely honest. I quit going to church because it's something that I had to figure out for myself. Um, you know, talking about the doctrine of discovery, um, you know, people were killed, people were murdered um, if they didn't. You know, and, and the thing is, is that uh, the way that I was raised uh, within my community is if you come to me, I'm gonna help you, right? I'm gonna feed you. Um, if you believe in, in one way, that's great for you. I believe in, you know, you know what I mean? Like you, you just respected people, right? Because we're all related and, and um, we were just there for each other. And I, that was really, really hard for me. Um, but then I remembered all of those years before college, um, the, the, the love that I experienced of God, the miracles that I've seen. Um, and I couldn't turn away from that. Like I, I just couldn't turn away from that. And I knew that the things that had happened in those history books or the things that happened historically to my people, um, that wasn't the God that I serve. Um, and, and so that it was a difficult time for me and it continues to, but it, it has to be a really good conversation. I mean, it continues to be in the sense that people will ask me um, that question quite often uh, because you can't talk about the history of native people without those things coming up specifically. I mean, in my community, it's uh, probably about 90% um, Catholic. And so there's a long history with Catholicism in the Catholic church with native people. Um, and so just kind of coming to terms with that as well, I think it's, it's been uh, difficult, but there's a lot of healing that, that uh, needs to happen. Thank you. So for you, it was just a personal connection with Jesus. Yeah, All right. yeah. it was something that I couldn't, I couldn't ignore. Yeah. I can go next. Go oh, unless you wanted to go, Auntie Lenore. <laughs> no, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> this is an interesting question for me because I feel like I'm in the midst of, in the midst of, you know, doubts and questions, which is also interesting because I'm in seminary right now to be having these things. And, you know, a lot of it really started <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, really, once I started to really dig into, into history, and especially how the church's role, um, not just complicity, but its role in mm -hmm. its colonization and assimilation techniques. And, you know, the more I've been learning about it in Alaska, um, the church and education were linked. It was strategically linked by um, Sheldon Jackson, who was the commissioner of education here. And, you know, he came out of, I just found this out, he came out of Carlisle Indian Boarding School, which is one of the most notorious boarding schools. And for him to bring that philosophy back to Alaska, the philosophy uh -huh. of kill the Indian, save the man. I mean, there was, you know, one of the diaries of the guys that he was working with, their goal was to make the native us into the likeness of their white mentor, into the, the likeness and the image of their white mentor and to completely eradicate, you know, native language. And I remember I was at the Bible camp here in Euclid and I was talking to an elder and she was teaching me some words and she was like, you know, Trisha, um, we didn't want to teach our kids our language because we didn't want them to get punished. 
And so it was very strategic and the church had a part to play in all of that. And then, you know, you look at um, Alaska Natives, Native Americans, we have one of the highest rates of suicide in the world. And you could even consider um, Inuit populations in Canada as well. And, you know, this impacts me personally because just last summer, my brother took his own life. And, you know, people, they blame, they can blame alcohol. Yes, that is a factor, but people don't really consider the historical trauma, the impacts of historical trauma. And for me to see it's, I've had to come to terms with, um, I guess, realizing that the Jesus that I have encountered and that I follow is different than the one that I was exposed to. Mm -hmm. And that is really, um, for me, that is what I hold on to. And, you know, it's, it's still hard sometimes to, to separate in my mind. I can still like, you know, get really frustrated at God and be like, why, you know, but having to realize like this wasn't in his plan for us mm. um, and that he didn't, um, that he wouldn't, you know, harm us in that way by stripping away our identity like that's mm -hmm. not who he is and so I had to separate that um in my mind which is really hard to do but you know thankfully um God has been patient in those questions that I have had and you know in seminary being able to talk with different people um and they have been willing to receive what I've had to to share um about just my struggles with um, the mm -hmm. church even, you know, it's, it still is kind of hard for me to go to church here, honestly. Um, but I mean, Chicago, you know, there's, there's a couple of really, um, great churches that I, I like to go to, but, and even our chapel, but here when I'm at home, I do struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, thank you. Let me, yeah. let me say this before <laughs> we, um, hear from someone else. First of all, thank you for your honesty. Um, it speaks to, I believe, again, the God we serve, um, that we're on a journey. Um, we're at different stages in our journey. And uh, I'm grateful that you are on, uh, on that journey and, and actually dealing with that conflict. And I, I truly believe that God will bring something uh, amazing and beautiful out of that struggle. And uh, we're, we're definitely sorry about the loss of your brother. And as you mentioned, trauma, people, I, I've been mentioning this the last couple of times we've had conversations, trauma is real. Um, people mm -hmm. just don't get over things. Mm -hmm. um, it's generational. And I, I encourage you to, 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 to go study, yes. to learn, do some research on, on trauma. Um, and so we may even have a, a session about the effects of trauma and the generational effects of trauma. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Lenore or TJ, how are you, um, how do you deal with their critique? And then the next question we're going to deal with as we prepare to wrap up is um, how can we be allies um, to the indigenous community? Knowing and understanding your struggles, knowing some of the challenges that you're currently dealing with, how can we as a church, how can we remedy um, some of and step into this and, and remedy some of the issues that still exist today. 
So Lenore, can you please share about the critique and then we'll transition to that last question. Um, okay, I, I was where uh, Trisha is. <laughs> I did not have a home for my native identity in the church. Um, there, there is so much about Western Christianity and I learned that um, it's all about worldview. My cultural confusion, my theological stress, it all related to worldview, which is something you don't learn about. But when I, re when I realized then that the gospel is written in an indigenous context, mm. <laughs> you know, and it has suffered through the enlightenment. And by the time it came to us here, it wasn't the original context anymore. But I was able to learn after a long relational process that uh, who Jesus is, that, that he is a, a, incarnated as a tribe, a brown tribal man, that he lived in his homelands and that um, he spoke into community, his values were communal. Yes. And so it, to me, that's, that is someone I can relate to. That's an indigenous God. And so, you know, we, we know our stories. We know a supernatural, the mystery is, is an essential part of our relationship with God. So then I was able to, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And, and so um, once you see the difference in worldviews, I think it's, it's much easier to trust that Jesus is who he says he is. He, he brought his um, radical love and he so disrupted the status quo of the religious powers that they murdered him for that. Um, but then his resurrection just proves that he is eternal healer. That eternal healing is what um, I see as Christian's uh, salvation. Praise God. And that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, TJ? I think, you... I mean, kind of that transition maybe, I think listen to our stories, listen to our hearts. Um, and listen with an open mind. Because I had a friend a number of years ago who happens to be white, and we've walked for 30 years, so we have this deep personal relationship together, right? And he asked me, how do you blend your native life and beliefs and your Christian life and beliefs? And I was like, they, I don't have to blend them. They naturally fit like this. It actually has enhanced my intimacy with the Creator. Yeah. my walk because now when the wind blows I listen because that's the spirit speaking to me yeah when a bird sings I now hear the angels and the choirs yeah celebrating um to the point of don't judge us because we don't look like you so I'm learning my language and and traditions and culture because my family, because of my great-grandfather, because of alcoholism, was moved off our reservation and the BIA Bureau of Indian Affairs literally moved us as far west and as north as we could. And so we ended up in the Lummi Nation. Um, and that shame and that guilt of, of being Indian was in my grandparents. And I remember that. My grandmother told my aunt, you don't want to marry my uncle. He's an Indian. You know that, right? Um, just that image. And even growing my hair due to COVID, because as Anna said, that's culture and traditional. So I know I'm going to catch flack, but this is who I'm created to be. The most amazing thing to me is 
coming back to who I am created to be, it changes everything of how I see things, how I see God in everything that's going on. And so that would be really that challenge to people. Listen to us, listen to our hearts, listen to our stories. Um, Lenore said earlier, uh, we call him Uncle Jim. He's our Hawaiian kapuna. He said, if the missionaries would have come and just told us about Jesus, we would have followed. But to tell us to follow Jesus the way that they did, that's why we don't. I mean, statistically, Native peoples are very, very small because of Doctrine of Discovery, because of the trauma to follow the Creator, because of the trauma that Anna <laughs> talked about with her grandparents and Trisha has experienced. And we've all experienced. So listen to us, listen to our stories. All of our cultures and have a creation story. We all have a word for the creator. We have that in who we are. We know that. So don't dismiss us. That would be the biggest piece because we don't think like you. We're not created to think like you. We're created to think like how we're created to think. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I, I heard a talk that you did, Lenore, where you had mentioned over the 500 years of, of Christianizing um, the indigenous people. I think you said it was like 4% of, of, of natives or indigenous people are considered Christian. Five, 500 years, 4%. Yeah. That, um, that's an old statistic, but it's not really any better. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I don't, yeah. If it was 20%, 500 year investment. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and so what's amazing is that in the midst of the mess uh, that Jesus still connected with you so you can hear the true message. And I tell people, because they, they throw up, what about the Crusades? What about this? What about that? And I say, when people, when you look at what Jesus did, when you look at Jesus, you know, a lot has been lost in translation. But when you look at what Jesus did, those people were not acting in fidelity of what Jesus did. They're not, they're not representing Jesus his walk, the way he loved, mm -hmm. radical love, as you guys explained. Um, and so it's ugly and, and, and it's, it's bad, but even in the midst of all of that mess, um, it's so amazing that God can still get his message across and not only his message, but him, uh, where we can connect because all of you mentioned that it was a personal relationship, a personal connection that you had with Jesus in the midst of all the other noise. And that's what we pray that in the midst of all the noise, even right now, the political stuff and all that, that people will see Jesus. And that's why I think it's, in, it's vitally important for us to live um, as he calls us to live, to be open to his spirit and, and to, I mean, I love the fact of how connected you are to nature. The Bible mm -hmm. does say that heaven declares his glory. I mean, you can look at the oceans and they're, they're praising the birds. They're singing, they declare his glory. His glory is in, in it all. And so we're going to close out. Um, we went a, a tad bit over, but I think it was vitally important to hear from you. As you had mentioned, um, as far as becoming allies is to listen, 
and to connect. Um, as you mentioned, there's some resources that we will share that I, I received from uh, TJ. Is there a, a link or something like that, um, that that you have? You can share with me if you don't have it right now, and we'll make sure people will receive that link. Uh, I think it's vitally important, again, for having these conversations, connecting with one another, seeing each other for that Emmanuel Day, uh, created in the image of God. We're all image bearers. Everything that God created has his print on it. Um, it's, 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 it's just amazing. And like you said, we're, none of us are necessarily the same, but we do have this inherent beauty and dignity in us because we have been uh, created by the, the creator. And so I'll, I'll say this and um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys have actually the, the last word and we're going to, we're going to close out. So uh, it, any closing remarks, any closing remarks, whatever is on your heart in this moment. And as it is tradition, we're going to go to uh, Lenore. We'll, we'll have you start us off. Any closing remarks, anything that is on your heart that you want to share with this audience as we are on a journey of, of reconciliation, a journey of understanding each other, and really to advance the gospel. Is there anything uh, on your heart there, Lenore? Well, in Lakota, we would end our prayers as mitakuye oyasi, all our relations, because that it's essential to know that we are related to creator, to each other, and to all creation, human and non-human, um, all the elements of creation. And so in um, Western Christianity, it's like linear. There are way, they have, I have no eschatology. There's, there's eschatology in Western Christianity because it's uh, waiting for the end. But in Lakota, it's, it's uh, the circle. And I, I think, you know, many indigenous ways of thinking, it's the circle. So it, it never ends that that hoop. There's no um, superior being. I mean, the, the um, interpreting the gospel to, to say that man is the pinnacle and rules over all. I mean, that's not an indigenous understanding. That's not uh, interdependent, interconnected, uh, relational. So there are some, some things that, that maybe we were not going to agree on, but um, I would hope that all of us would practice, you know, rather than orthodoxy, the orthopraxy of being a good relative every day. I think that that would take care of it. Thank you so much. A good relative, a good neighbor, a good relative. TJ? Um, I would challenge you I sent Don Earl um, just a list that we've started to compile for Indigenous Ministers Association because people ask this question and read some of those with open minds. Read some of Randy Woodley's uh, books or Richard Twist books. Um, indigenous theologians that talk literally uh, about in hermeneutics and studying the scripture to see differently than what we've taught. Hmm. As Lenore said, it's circular. As Tricia talked about the villages they literally shut down because of the Spanish flu 1918 pandemic. They literally, they were shutting down before any states were shutting down because it's circular. That was 100 years ago, 98 years ago, hmm. or 102 years ago. But um, they automatically shut down because it's circular. That was yesterday to us. Hmm. So look at some of those. 
some of the stories, um, you want to watch a really hard movie, it'll be on your resource list. Uh, uh, it's called Indian Horse. Some of the abuse that has happened. And it was an amazing because I was with um, two other indigenous people and we all watched this together. And we all had different reactions at different times because it each struck us differently. It is not a kid movie, but it's a real movie of what's happened. Just to learn the history Learn whose land you're on. Um, whenever I fly anywhere, I always find out whose land I'm on. And when I get there, I thank them that, to invite us on our lands. So in Australia, the land is so sacred that the Aborigines spoke the language that the land they were on. That's how powerful. So it's not just a, a Native American or Native Alaskan thing. This is an indigenous worldwide thing. Yeah, They could speak three to five languages. So have that open heart. Take a look. Thank you, TJ. And yeah, we're going to put a PDF together and share those resources. Um, so if you're if you're interested in the resources, send us an inbox or just let us know in the comments that you would want those resources and we'll follow up with you, get your email and make sure we, you get it directly. And then we're going to also provide it on, on the website. So uh, Anna? Um, I, you know, I, I've traveled a lot in my life. Um, anytime you leave this country and you travel to another country, you're immersed in the culture of that country. You see it everywhere you look. The fact that when you come to this country, you're not immersed in, uh, you don't see a lot of the uh, culture of this, um, of our indigenous people, um, that's a problem. And so I think that I challenge people to seek that out, um, back to what TJ was saying and even full circle uh, to the way Lenore started uh, the conversation about acknowledging the land that um, we go to school on, we live on, we work on, we worship on. Um, you know, the church should acknowledge the land of those people. Invite somebody from that community into your church to to uh, to teach you a greeting or to greet you or to to pray for you. Um, it, it's just we we can't ignore. Uh, the culture of the people of this land anymore. And so I, I just challenge everybody who's listening um, to do that. If, if, you, if you're a pastor of a church, if you go to a church, find out uh, where your church is built, whose, whose mm. traditional land is there. Is there a um, population that you can connect to? Because uh, they're still there, I guarantee you. Um, so connect with them and, and invite them to be a part of your community and learn from them. Yeah. Um, so that's my my parting uh, advice thank you yeah learn the land that you're on trisha yeah i guess to start off um i just wanted to go back to it was at the very beginning of the conversation when we were talking about terminology because we didn't get into um i guess the term eskimo and you know not a lot of people really know about the term and how it was used, why it was used. And so just real quickly, um, I know specifically in Inuit, um, with the Inuit people in Canada, the First Nations people in Canada, they never use the term Eskimo. For them, it's a derogatory term. Mm. You know, it's something that was, um, that we were called, that we were named by another group of people. And, you know, like they, the translation is a little 
shaky, but you know, typically it's eaters of raw meat. Um, and so, you know, people here, they, they use the, um, both native and non-native, uh, they use the term Eskimo. I personally don't call myself that just because, and you know, I don't have a problem when other people do it, but for me personally, I don't refer to myself with that term because it's something that we were called. It's not something that we called ourselves. Yeah. And so if you look at the term um, Inupak and Yupik, the translation of it literally means the real people. And so, you know, the, the real people of this land that were on, that we were um, gifted by God to steward. And so um, for me personally, that's why I don't use that term and just wanted to bring a little bit of clarification. And the other thing that I guess I wanted to point out is um, in these conversations, I always, um, I always come back to the church and the church's role. And it, I mean, it, it's so important. The church hasn't taken this seriously, hasn't taken history seriously. We haven't lamented, we haven't repented mm. of, you know, that even, you know, here in Alaska, I can still see the ways that, um, you know, the, the church still holds somewhat of an impressive power over us. And so, um, man, when the church takes us seriously, when we lament and repent of just all the ways that the church has been involved in the colonization and assimilation process. And really, I mean, it's because it, it's such a big thing because you're stripping away I, someone's identity yeah. and the very image of God, attempting to remove the very image of God in them. And that's a serious thing. And so really when the church comes and um, is, is really serious about handling and dealing with it's past and these issues, I mean, real change is going to come, but until then, you know, it's until then we're still going to ha be having these conversations and we're not going to see the, the needle move as quickly as we would like. Well, thank you, Trisha. And our hope is that we go from conversation to commitment. So everyone that's listening, every, everyone that's part of Life Church of Auburn Hills specifically, and those that are, that are friends of Life Church of Auburn Hills, we endeavor to learn, to, to lean, lean in, to lament, um, to just move forward together, um, to repent, uh, not just lament, but repent, as you said, Tricia, and, and to to be who God is calling us to be. Because again, when you look at that picture in Revelation 7, 9, every nation, every tongue, every tribe standing before the throne of God, heaven, and I say this, will not be segregated at all. Um, John saw ethnicity, so it was important to God because it's fulfillment of his promise that he made to Abraham. And so if we're going to really lean into that um, and, and learn, then we need to get started. We need to make it happen and go beyond conversation and then to commitment. So I'm encouraging you, if you're listening, to commit. Commit to lean in. Commit to learn. Commit to acknowledge the land. Identify what land, because again, they, there was not necessarily a discovery. Um, the indigenous people were here. <laughs> and so let's, let's lean in. Um, share this stream. Um, there are various other questions that we just didn't have time to get into, but I think this is enough to get us started. I'm going to share that resource with you all, and um, this is a journey. Please know that. This is a journey. This is not one and done. This is a journey that we're on. It takes commitment. It takes um, being um, understanding. 
And again, the three C's being committed, cross-cultural and Christ-centered is, is that's, that's our hope and aim. So we're gonna close, we're over our time. Thank you for all of you that stayed with us. I thank my brothers and sisters, we are related, we're family. And uh, Lenore, would you please close us out in, uh, in prayer? Okay. Most mighty heavenly father, guide and help us, we pray. Creator Jesus, may this time together um, have honored you and unite us in your spirit. Amen. Thank you all. God bless you again. Share the stream and we'll be sharing the resources with you. We're starting Roadmap to Reconciliation. Um, you can go on lcah.us forward slash uh, reconciliation to learn more. God bless you. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Lenore, TJ, Trisha, and Anna. I love you all. We are family. God bless. Bye -bye. Thank you, Donna.